syndicate. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Red Sox podcast to be named later. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the Boston Red Sox and the MLB. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, by the way, I'm Bill Travis. Thank you for joining us. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Bill, when you guys did your Mothership podcast that you dropped earlier this week, you said the next podcast was going to be the Fire the Muskets podcast to talk about the Patriots. And you'd be right. But Today is Wednesday when we're recording, and some major news dropped for the Red Sox. And my two cohorts on the Red Sox podcast, to be named later, could not wait a week and a half to talk about it. So we decided to do a special episode just to talk about the news that dropped today. And when I say we, I'm talking about, of course, my two co-hosts, our prolific writer for the Boston Sports Syndicate website, Chris Hendrick. Chris, how you doing? Guys, how are you today? Doing well. And, of course, the cinder taker himself, Matt DeRosha. Matt, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Not going to lie, uh, you know, not too bad as well as it can go during these crazy quarantine times. But, like you said, I couldn't wait a week and a half. Neither could you guys, and that's why we're here tonight. And if Matt sounds better, that's because he invested in some sweet new recording equipment. Oh, yeah. Check the Twitter. I'm going to be posting some pics, some behind-the-scenes pics. All right, so let's jump right into it, guys. Major news dropped today. Uh, kind of anticlimactic, climatic, whatever the word is. You know what I'm going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, the penalties. MLB finally announced their penalties on the Red Sox. I think we can classify this as a slap on the wrist. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, as high as the tensions kind of got, you know, I mean, what seems like an eternity ago, you know, with the throwing Alex Cora under the bus, them kind of splitting up and going their mutual ways, as they called it. Uh, it's felt like there was a big hammer about the drop. But, you know, as the time passed, players, you know, said they didn't do anything wrong. And it seems like it ended up being like they did nothing wrong because, like you said, Bill, it was a slap on the wrist. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, the Red Sox got – they got lucky with this. This could have been a lot worse. We talked about how – this could have been a lot worse from just Cora's suspension to the potential penalties, kind of comparing it to the Astros. Um, Red Sox got pretty lucky here. They got pretty lucky. You know, it sucks to lose the draft pick, but all things considered, they uh, they meant out pretty good here. Chris, why don't you outline what those penalties were? Because I forgot to mention them. Yeah, so uh, so the Red Sox are going to be uh, they're going to lose their 2020 second round pick. Um, the, there's going to be a ban to the relay operator, JT Watkins through the remainder of the season, if played, obviously, and through the 2020 playoffs, he'll also be banned all of next season. And Alex Cora is only going to be banned through this season only and can return to baseball next year. And his penalty is based on his role with the Astros. Nothing to do with the Red Sox. Correct. And nothing to do with the Red Sox, which which is going to be important as we go a little bit later on with this podcast. But, um, you know, again, they, they got lucky today. They got very, very lucky because this could have been a lot worse. It kind of finally it's starting to feel like the, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of positive news out of Boston. Yeah, with everything that's happened recently with, uh, of course, the pandemic and the Gronk trade and Brady leaving, I think you gotta you got to do uh, backflips over this announcement. Yeah, this is a win for sure. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong. The draft this year is only going to be five rounds. It's still so. a fluid situation as far as I have read. I've heard anything as low as five, maybe ten, maybe a half a draft. I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, if the, if it is only five rounds, that second round loss, is, I mean, that's 20% of your draft. That's rough. Yeah, and, you know, the only drawback with losing the second-round pick is, you know, this team is still trying to rebuild their farm system. You know, at, luckily – Luckily, the Red Sox got a couple of decent players in some of the trades they made this offseason with adding, you know, Verdugo's not a prospect anymore, but he's still a young, controllable player. Jeter Downs, Connor Wong, and, you know, they're they're going to sign a 16-year-old minor league player from the Dominican Republic uh, around June, uh, sorry, July 2nd when they when they can sign those players. So they're, they're bringing in some talent. That second-round pick would have been nice to continue to have as you continue to replenish the farm system. But similar, you know, Bill, you've said in the past, the Red Sox have been loading up with a lot of, like, 4A-style pitchers. If they end up playing this year and, and they're not in it and one of those guys are doing well, they can spin them them off and maybe bring some other compensation back and kind of continue to replenish. You know, that's actually a great point that you bring up, Chris. I had, you know, I was dwelling kind of on the negative here, which I know it's kind of crazy. It's against my character here at the Syndicate. But I was dwelling on if it's a short draft, you know, losing that pick hurts that much more. But I completely forgot about the July 2nd signings, and they're poised to be big players in that. So great point. Yeah, there's, um, according to Baseball America, there's there's about 25 players that baseball considers to be million-dollar players. And one of the guys that they're looking at and they're expected to sign is a 16-year-old uh, Miguel Blyce out of um, – again out of the dr and you know he's small frame right now but watching this kid just some video and some youtube on him making throws from like deep center field to third base and home plate um gonna add size to his frame it can hit the ball a ton you know the he i think he's ranked 24th though on baseball america's international list but for 16 and again you take a look at the players that that the rays have brought into their system I have pretty good uh, confidence in regards to what Bloom's doing. You know, they're going to probably spend around less than $2 million on this kid, but still, you know, you don't get your second round pick, but you're going to end up adding, you know, through the international piece. Yeah, and this is where the Red Sox and and their deep pockets can come into play, even though they can't spend at the major league level right now. They can still Mm -hmm. go out and do all these signings. They can. And what another, you know, what another piece is too is, you know, as we were kind of, Thinking about, hey, what would be some of the penalties? We even talked about, could they lose international money? Could they mm-hmm. lose some of that bonus money? And that wasn't touched. You know, just think that if the Red Sox would have lost that draft pick and international money, that could have impacted them adding, you know, top premier talent. So, again, I typically try to do devil's advocate. And, Matt, you're super positive. I came out of this announcement when I saw this as being like they just dodged a major, major bullet. And then now that this is put behind them, now it's time to let Bloom go ahead and, and do what he needs to do. Well, if Chris is going to be positive, then I might as well just get off this podcast right now. What am I? Gonna, <laughs> what role am I going to play? <laughs> I think we can find a spot for you still, Matt. I mean, I, it, the nickname is TBD. I guess it's the Undertaker at this point. I mean, no, the Syndicator. It's the Syndicator <laughs> at this point. But we were trying to wait to see who that uh, next Brock Holt was going to be. And because of the delay, we've had to push that nickname back. So, you know, like, yeah, I guess I can find a role. 
We're going to go with Cinder Taker for now. I think that's going to stick. For, for, for you listeners out there, I'm rolling my eyes back right now, just like The Undertaker. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to the penalties for a second. Um, JT Watkins, is he going to go down in, Reds, in Boston sports history with uh, John Jastrzemski and Jim McNally? Do you know who those guys are? Deflategate I, guys. Yeah. They, they pretty much took the fall for Deflategate. I think uh, Mr. Watkins is going to go down in that same category. He seems to be the fall guy in this this whole thing. He was uh, designated as a rogue employee. Rogue, okay. He's, He's gone, gone rogue. rogue. You know what? You know, it, as Chris Carter said, you need a fall guy. So uh, I guess the Red Sox <laughs> on theirs. I guess they did. So he is suspended for the year, and he can't come back in 21 in that same position. So I guess he can come back to the team, but not in that same position. That's yeah, right. you know, I don't, I don't think of him in that category. Uh, earlier, when the the announcements were coming out, and I was in a separate group text with some buddies, um, someone made that that connection on you know how he's going to fall in that same category. I think what's different between the two that I thought Patriots, I came with that up with that all by myself. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for blowing my bubble, Chris. <laughs> I know I that's from a group chat that we're not even in. I know. No, this is with my buddies, but um. We're not your, I guess we're not his buddies, Matt. Jeez, Louise, <laughs> what is going on? I, I had to bring that, you know, I had to come back to Earth in this podcast and go back to who I am. Um, you know, I, if you think about with the Patriots, what they have had over the last 20 years and even leading up to around Deflategate is Brady Belichick. You had that. You have that legacy. You have an organization that has been the cream of the crop throughout football for the last 20 years now. The Red Sox are not that. You can argue that the Red Sox have lucked into some of these World Series. They, the, of the four that they've won, they really didn't have any business in winning 2013 when that season started. And then 2018 kind of came out of nowhere, you know, and they were the best team in baseball. The team, though, the Red Sox, well, they spend a ton of money. Over the last 10 years, they've been, if they're not finishing in first place, they're finishing in last place. So to me, like, that legacy isn't there right now with this Red Sox team. So having, you know, to say like, hey, he's he's in that category of the fall guy, I mean, I don't see it that way. It sucks, though, because from what I've been reading online about him is, you know, that, that he's been someone that has worked incredibly hard for the Red Sox. Um, clearly, he's being labeled in quotation fingers as a rogue employee. He's probably not doing that on his own, but – you know, if the Red Sox can still take care of him, he doesn't get fired after all of this. You know, that would be a good thing. But if but if he gets fired, then you know that okay, yes, he was a rogue employee. This is what it is, and right. now it's time to move on. Yeah, I wasn't equating it more on the legacy end. It was just more, you know, they had to drill down to an equipment guy, a video guy. You know, you're saying he obviously couldn't have been working on his own. I don't think that either. Uh, of course, Brady did get suspended for four games with Deflategate, so you know maybe it didn't all fall on the other guys, but. I just saw a correlation there, so I went for it. No, it's definitely a fair point to make because, I mean, when you play out the scenarios here, it's one of two things theoretically happen. Either he was a quote-unquote rogue employee, like Chris was saying. I guess they'll find that out if they fire him or not. Or they're going to if, – if you're the fall guy, you typically get compensated for your quote-unquote sacrifice. So – you know, if he they they make him, you know, if I don't know what his his exact position is, let's say it's, you know, the head replay maestro, they would make him the executive 
Vice President Electric Vice Video Replay Maestro. You know what I mean? They would give him a different title just to compensate him for his 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 being the fall guy. Grand Poobah or video. I think Grand, that was his ooh, title. I like that. Grand Poobah video. It's like the theory, it's like, you know, when, when a guy goes from being the general manager of one team, he can't go be the general manager of the next team, so they give him a, another title. Like when Theo was the general manager of the Red Sox, he left to be the vice president of baseball operations executive or whatever of the Cubs. And like when Bloom, he was the assistant general manager, didn't come here to become the general manager. He's now the chief baseball officer. Yeah, totally made up title that nobody's ever had before. CBO, baby, first ever. <laughs> All right, now Cora. Cora gets off the hook quite a bit in this. Ooh, Chris, time. you've already you've already written an article for the syndicate. Big surprise there. Um, right after this happened, you think this paves the way for Cora to come back? Yeah, I do. You know, um, I want to start off by saying that I might have been wrong because back when this was all kind of evolving. Um, I was pretty quick to kind of say, okay, it's time to move on from Alex Cora. And I, I do think that the distraction of Alex Cora and all that, like they needed to do what they did. And I actually think that by getting out ahead of it and moving on and parting ways and whatever you want to call it, probably helped them in the long run here. Um, at the end of the day, he was not punished and accused of any wrongdoing with the Red Sox. So for the narrative that has been out there for a while that the Red Sox cheated, I think it needs to stop because the Red Sox, for all intents and purposes, a rogue employee is the one that went in, is the one that's being blamed here. And Alex Cora, you know, I don't want to go cliche here and say free Cora, but I think it's time to free Alex Cora. But don't you think his reputation is still severely tarnished from his role with the Astro scandal? I mean, he was I, called I, the mastermind of the whole thing. Yeah, so the mastermind, though, is going to get the same penalty as the manager of the team. He's getting the same penalty as Lunau. If, if he's the mastermind and if he's the one that was the driving force behind it, why didn't baseball come down harder on him? That's a very good question. Baseball would have came down harder on Alex Cora had 2018 shown that, hey, you know what? He took this program and brought it to Boston, which, hey, you know what? He might have. He might have brought this whole entire scheme to Boston, and that's why this Watkins kid is the one that's taking the fall. But according to the report here, that's not what it really says. you have any thoughts on that, Matt? Yeah, I, you know, it's we keep saying that the Red Sox are fortunate and they got a little lucky, and I think that we all agree on that because it's true. I mean, Alex Cora is now being lumped, lumped into a group that has already taken the public's bullets. Lanau, Hinch, the Astros organization, they've already been dragged through the coals on this cheating scandal, and now that Cora is only linked to that team and not the 2018 Red Sox, I think he's going to be forgotten about in this whole thing. Because if he comes back, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, it's going to look like he was called the mastermind, but because of how it all played out, 
he's going to be the forgotten guy in all of these penalties because, like Chris said, he's getting the same as Lanau and he's getting the same as Hinch. But because of the pandemic and because of the timing, he's not going to catch any bullets for this. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the Red Sox in general, and we talked about this on the Mothership podcast, this is just a huge mulligan season for them. After after what looked oh, yeah. to be just a disastrous season with trading a Mookie Betts, getting Verdugo back and having a broken back issue, not being able to start the season, sale going for Tommy John, you just got a huge mulligan with all this mm-hmm. uh, pandemic stuff and, and everything being so up in the air, and you don't even know if you're going to have a season. Um, and I think Cora just fits right into that now, that all is going to be forgotten once they come back to play. I mean, the narrative is already free Cora. So I mean, not only are you know the not only is the baseball community not taking shots at him, they're already reinstating him as a manager well, in this league. More well, than Hinch that, is getting, more than Lanau's getting. Well, that's more so. That's more so out of here in New England. Out of here in New England, it's the free Alex Cora. Now nationally, that's that's not the case, and I typically don't get myself riled up from takes from other people, especially. You know, I'm gonna, and I'm going to go over one really quick. So I try not to get riled up with stuff that I read on Twitter. I try not to go ahead, you know, and fall into that cesspool. But as I was kind of prepping some stuff and getting some tweets together, as this was kind of going on earlier and getting it out to the Red Sox um, podcast uh, Twitter handle, I came across an article because I follow the L.A. Times Mookie Betts out there and everything else. So uh, Bill Shiken is a writer for the L.A. Times. And his tweet goes and starts off by saying in the tagline, it's official, the teams that beat the Dodgers in back-to-back World Series have been branded cheaters by Major League Baseball. So, of course, his tweet did its job, and I stopped, and I clicked on it. And in this entire article, you know, he goes through and cites, you know, what had gone wrong. But nationally, they still look at Alex Cora as a cheater. And and I don't agree. I I, I don't – in regards to this Red Sox piece, because in in the entire – you know, commissioner's report, there's there's nothing that implicates Alex Cora any longer. There's nothing that implicate, impl- implicates the players. I think it's just, it's a tired narrative that we have an L.A. Dodgers writer of a baseball team that is still upset and sad that his baseball team, which is similar to like the Buffalo Bills, keeps going to the big dance but can't seal the freaking win, you know what I mean, and keep crying and saying that people are cheating. Well, I think you can say, I don't, I, I don't think you can say that Corey was exonerated in this. I mean, he was still heavily implicated in the Astro scandal. So yeah, maybe he didn't do it with the Red Sox, or they couldn't prove that he did it with the Red Sox. But I think he still got that cheater label on him. I mean, technically, like us, you know, deep dive baseball fans, you know. I mean, it might be different because I have. It's me. I'll just speak on my own behalf. I have a bias in favor of the Red Sox, so I won't do this. But even if the deep dive baseball community labels him as a cheater, the mainstream will not. And I just think overall, as time passes, you'll hear the people from the Dodgers community, from the Yankees community, whispering that cheater, uh, a cheater, Cora cheated. But I think overall, as this time, as the time passed on, because of how it played out, piece by piece by piece, Core is going to not 
be ex- he's he had, he wasn't exonerated because you're right, Bill. He was suspended a, a year as much as any suspension that was given out for this. But due to just the way the public will will, will digest it, he's going to be forgotten in this whole thing, in my opinion. You really think so? I mean, Brady's yeah. still dealing with this from Deflategate. That still gets thrown. At yeah, him. but at this point, it's just haters. It's just people hating. Well, of course. Well, I on, mean, yeah, you have the whole legacy thing, and, and, and year that, after, and there's multiple and scandals. But I, I don't think Cora shakes this that easily. I really I mean, don't. If Cora, if Cora goes on to win four more World Series, they will continue to talk about him as a cheater because it'll come up every single time he's in the big dance, much like a Tom Brady. Because when when you're under the public eye and when you're under the national media's and the scrutiny of that, it'll come up again. But let's just say he wins one more three years from now. I just think 20 years down the road, 15 years down the road, Alex Cora will be completely forgotten in the cheating scandal of the Houston Astros. He will not be considered a trash can banger. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Bill Belichick to this day still, you know, every Super Bowl the Patriots have gone to, there's some sort of conversation about cheating, and that, that's never going to shake him. The only thing that Alex Cora needs to do is when he comes back into baseball, he needs to win because if he doesn't win again and his teams, let's say, are mediocre or they don't make the playoffs, what are people going to say at that point? People are going to say, you know what I mean? It's really going to solidify, in my opinion, of him being a quote-unquote cheater. At the end of the day, though, again – Sox got incredibly, incredibly lucky, and not only just of the fact of the penalty, of just everything that's going on in the world. You know, what if this? What if we weren't in the the times that we're in right now, and baseball is actually happening and playing? You know, would MLB have announced it now? Would they have announced it earlier? Would they have dragged it on? MLB is hiding behind COVID as the reason why they're not releasing the findings, and all of a sudden today it gets dropped, and which we'll go over a little later, but. Still, uh, I don't know. The, the Sox are super lucky right now, and and they just they now they need to focus on how they get some some better press and and better publicity and just get out and just get away from all this. Well, I think if they were playing right now, it would have come out before the end of spring training. I think it would have had to have. Yeah, you would think though. You would think. The, I think after this is all played out. Um, I think that this date in particular was strategically planned, not long term, like meaning dating back to February or January. But I think the ba- the baseball community, like the executives at the MLB, they were going to release this where they could tuck it under the rug. So maybe like, I don't know, right before a big basketball stretch or maybe they waited until after spring training and into the season and did it when the playoffs started. I think that they were – saying that they were hiding behind COVID, like you said, Chris, but they were waiting for some sort of rug to sweep it under. And the NFL draft is that rug. Well, we were, we were, uh, we, we kind of missed this by two months. Cause when we recorded a couple of months back, we were saying that, like, I thought it was going to be a, the Super Bowl. you know what I mean? Do it before right. the Super Bowl and, and let, and then let the world get caught up into the, into the Super Bowl piece. This is perfect timing because if you, you know, up here, Earlier today, I was I was listening to 985 the Sports Hub, and they didn't really touch a lot on it. I mean, they, they took one caller. They took one caller. That yeah. is it. You know, and then uh, you know Murray went through it on the headlines, but there was it was all about the draft. And tomorrow in the morning, more than likely on the shows, yeah, they're going to talk about this, but it's going to be draft dominated. It's going to be like that throughout the entire day, and then ESPN is going to cover the first round, and then we're going to go right into the 
you know, into Friday and Saturday for the draft. This is, you know, this is perfect. It's going to go all the way unless something else comes of this. But this is this is perfect. No, I think you said it best when you said it was strategic. strategic. I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, In fact, like they, I'm, I'm kind of surprised they didn't wait until Thursday or Friday, like late afternoon Friday, which is normally when you get a dump like right. this for, for news you don't want to get a lot of press which would have been smack dab in the middle of the draft. So I think that would have gone totally unnoticed had that happened then. It couldn't have worked any better for the Red Sox in terms of the you know, the news cycle because right now new uh, sports, uh, any content that's coming from sports right now is focusing on Gronk or the draft. And the Red Sox are a tiny sliver in that middle. And if they would, it, it, it couldn't, like you guys have, I mean, we've said this a bunch of times, it couldn't have worked out better for the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Matt, earlier this week, like Saturday, I remember texting Bill saying, like, look, next week on the on Twitter, it's it's Patriots week. Patriots and, week. And, you know, and I even you know mentioned it to you, everything that's going to be, that we were going to be coming out with was just Patriots, Patriots, Patriots. Yep. You know, and unless like a story like this comes out, we would go ahead and kind of you know, throw it in the, in the mix of things, but it was all about the Patriots and it, and, and in every single city, it's about their team, you know, for, for Manfred, who's, who's taken a ton of heat from Red Sox fans. And I think, you know, personally, we, we haven't really, we didn't really put him to the fire in regards to the amount of time this has taken. A lot of other um, outlets similar to us have. And you know what? I, he's, he took a ton of crap for not releasing it, but honestly, this is just smart. This is just great strategy. That I don't know. I, I just it is. It really is. I mean, when you think of Manfred and his team, there may not have to even be like a YouTube live, Instagram live press conference from this guy because we're all confined in our homes, and because the draft starts tomorrow, he could put out a printed press release on on a hu- what was supposed to be a humongous investigation and now it's just completely flipped under the rug people are not going people are if you ask the common sports fan on Monday morning about the Red Sox they won't even bring this up nope nope because it's over with now and it's good finally it's over we can move on I, it's good right now because it's something to talk about it's content that we can get out there um it just uh, i mean it, at the end of the day it still sucks that it's another Boston team that has been implicated on cheating and that the new England Patriots have kind of been that flag bearer over the last, you know, obviously 20 years. And, you know, they've had their share of scandal and it really sucks that the Red Sox kind of fell in this, but it's not just on Cora. It's not just on, you know, there's John Farrell is very much, very, very much, you know, I think needs to be talked about because of the fact that they had the Apple watch thing. I still, Dave Dombrowski, I, 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 Still think he's getting off way too easy out of this whole thing, you know. But at the end of the day, come Monday, everybody's only going to be talking about what the Patriots are going to do in the draft. Who they drafted? Did they trade out of the first round? Did they draft a quarterback? Was it Tua? You know what I mean? Like, what what was it that the Patriots did? That's all they're going to care about. And that's going to be the driving narrative for, like, another week. This thing is done. Done. By the second that wherever in the world that, you know, the commissioner of the NFL is going to go and announce that Burrow is going to be a Bengal and become exotic Joe of the Bengals. But I don't know. <laughs> you were saving that one. 
That's I, a good. That's he has to take that. <laughs> I can't. No, I see. I can't take credit for that. Bessie, that that was Bessie. He did that in his his first ever bathroom break today. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. On purpose. So <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Bessie. Uh. <laughs> do, do do you think that maybe one of the reasons that it's just going to get swept under the rug is because baseball has lost some of its cachet as a national sport? Oh, you, do you think no that question. might play a role in it? No question. No, absolutely no question. If this was, you know, when baseball is at its heyday, uh, this wouldn't ca- this would carry over a draft. I mean, when you really think of the the when you really break down and really take a second to think about the the impact of the draft versus a cheating scandal the draft happens every year it's really just kind of like it used to be for nerds of you know professional sports and baseball a cheating scandal like uh, like, ste- like imagine the steroids or 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 going way way back you know like the black Sox. like when baseball is as heyday this would this would have flattened the draft but now, given the landscape of sports, this gets pushed behind the draft. It'll get pushed behind whatever proposed NBA deal comes out this weekend. It's going to get pushed back behind whatever NHL proposed resumption. It, it, it's it's going to get pushed back over and over because baseball just doesn't have that, that fervor that it used to. Well, you know, baseball over the last couple of months has taken its criticism. It's been frustrating for the sport. There's been an embarrassment, a black eye because of the Astros. And thank God the Astros just did something a lot worse, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, everybody got caught up with what Houston did. And with what's going on with the Sox, it's obviously not on that same scale. It was really just Watkins going. He would decode signs during the game. And he would put that in his report for the before and after of the game. And then there could be some dialogue and argument of whether he was doing it in the game, but that really wasn't in the report. So to kind of circle back, yeah, I mean, baseball is losing its luster and and they need to figure out what they're going to do to make it entertaining and important for when they want to come back. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, this – I think the Astros took the biggest part of the, of, of the blame of this whole entire thing, and, and rightfully so. And you know now it's just now it's time to move on. Now it's time to, to see how we can get baseball back on the diamond, wherever that's going to be. Arizona, Texas, Canada, wherever they're going to play. But I'm ready to move on. All right, yeah, now, that's, go ahead, Matt. Oh no, see, you know a little bit on top of that too. Like we're talking about uh, Rob Manfred and company being able to sweep it uh, under the rug. If it does boil up again in a week and a half. All the MLB would have to do is drop a proposed plan on how they're going to reopen the league, and it would just, again, drown out the controversy. Right now, I mean, baseball obviously did not plan this because they did, were not, you know, pervy to the, the the pandemic that's going on. But they did luck out with all this, and everything. I mean, when the Astros were, uh, when all that came out about the Astros. MLB, you know, any anyone in MLB has made a joke about trash can banging. You know, Trevor Bauer did that Sandlot game, and the whole thing is just riddled with Astros jokes. 
different players around the MLB is playing MLB The Show uh, for content, and they continue to make Astros jokes. Anytime there's a beanball in any of the, in, in the Korean League or the Chinese Professional Baseball League, they refer it to being, oh, get ready for this, Astros. And the Red Sox are just going to go underneath all that. I mean, it's 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 really unbelievable. You had Rizzo for the Cubs mic'd up in a spring training game talking right. about somebody's got to bang, bang the drum so he knows what pitch is coming. Exactly. I mean, the Red Sox and, and Major League Baseball, in their collective, they could not have even dreamed of a scenario this easy. All right, well, Chris, you mentioned you're ready to move on. So the Red Sox, I think, are ready to move on, too, because shortly after the news broke about the penalties that came down, they lifted the interim manager tag off of Ron Renneke. So now he is the manager. Now, if they are thinking of bringing Cora back after the suspension is over, why would you do that? Why would you lift the interim tag if you were thinking of bringing Cora back? Well, he's he's got one year left in his contract, so... This is the final year of his deal. He being um, Cora or Renicky? Th- this is Renicky. Renicky's in the final year of his. Okay. So the contract, so the contract he is on, that he signed, took him through this year as a bench coach. So initially, the plan was is that Renicky, there was some thoughts that he was potentially not going to come back to baseball this year, and this is obviously before the whole scandal started to kind of get out of control. Um, so his his contract is taking him just through this season. You think about the timing, yeah, like the Red Sox needed to name an interim manager. They went with the the best in-house option that they had. They obviously had some sort of intel of kind of where they were going to fall in this thing. And now that that none of the coaching staff was implicated at all in this report, now you're doing a solid by Renneke. You're taking that interim title off. He's the manager for the entire season. To have to be the Boston Red Sox and have an interim manager for an entire baseball season, like that's Kansas City Royals type stuff. That's 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 type stuff that you do when you're a franchise that is just used to losing. The Red Sox needed to take that title off, and they did. Now it opens the door for an Alex Cora next year, or it opens the door now for Heim Bloom to go out and get the, the manager that he wants. You weren't going to find the guy that you wanted in that short term, that little window, right, you know, when this happened, what, end of January, February, before the spring training was going to happen. So, you know, I think today was, you know, it's good is that you're, that you're, you're finally, like, you get some consistency within your team, and now your team knows, like, hey, I have a manager now. It's not a guy that's just kind of is a placeholder. He's the manager, and now you kind of move on from there. Yeah, especially where you know it's going to be a down year for your team. Well, I mean, I, do you, I don't know. Do you really think it's going to be that much of a down year right now, though? I mean, let's well, say they I, play. I don't 80, think you're going to contend. I don't know about that. I think you're. You know, let's say you play 82 games. Let's say that they play half a season. Oh, you shower me have, with this positivity, Chris. Shower me with this positivity. <laughs> you weren't going to have Chris Sale anyway. He's having Tommy John. He's home. Eduardo, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, he steps in. He's the ace. Now, were you going to get a 19-win year out of Eduardo coming off of that? No, you're probably not. I think that if the Red Sox get 15 wins in, in a regular season. In an 82, you know, oh, okay, I was going to say, in an 82-game no, season. Uh, he's Cy Young. 
Um, no, in a regular in the regular season, one sixty two. If he gave you fifteen wins, that that's like that that's kind of where I think he would end up. But Eduardo needs to needs to be your ace. He pitched like it last year. Nathan Evaldi has not shown to us that he could be healthy for a full season. So now the full season isn't a thing. It's a half a season now. So in my mind, he pitched really well in spring training. He was actually nails in spring training. If this guy can can stay and pitch like he did in, in the spring, that is a huge, huge shot in the arm to this rotation. Martin Perez, he didn't pitch that, that terribly in the spring either. I think the big question mark is health. Can Evaldi stay healthy? If Evaldi stays healthy and you get some consistency out of whoever's going to do the four and five, whether it's Brian Johnson, whether it's Ryan Weber, Colin McHugh, you're doing the opener. I think there's a little more light shining on this rotation than maybe we're kind of giving some credit for. But again, every team now, too, in baseball is going to come back to the, to the same situation. Everybody's going to ramp back up. They got to do a brand new spring or a summer training, whatever you want to call it. The opportunity for other teams and players to either get off to a bad start or get hurt is there. The Red Sox, they have a good lineup. They have a lineup that can keep them in the race. At the end of the day, it's going to be that starting pitching. Starting pitching is the reason why the bullpen struggled last year. So if the starting pitching can can give them Hell, if they could give them six innings in an 82-game season and that bullpen can only can kind of bridge the rest of it together with the lineup and you do got, you got some ammunition in the minors to go out and make a move and Bloom doesn't seem like he's a guy that's afraid to make a move, I think that the Red Sox can surprise us. Now, if you say to me the Red Sox finished in fourth place this season, would I be shocked? No. No, but I think the optim, you know, the optimistic side of me is saying let's not sleep on them entirely because, you know, New York, their pitching staff doesn't look that that hot right now. You know, I mean, Tampa Bay is the only team I'm kind of concerned about. I'm not worried about Toronto. I'm not worried about Toronto. Love this, Chris. I love <laughs> this talk. You got a lot of ifs in there, though, Chris. Yeah, but that's that comes with being a Red Sox fan. You yeah. if everything, you know what I mean? There's Well, there's also a lot of ifs in this season. This will be the first time probably in baseball's history that yeah, I mean, they always talk about it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Well, in 2020, if they come back, it's going to be a sprint. Every game's important. You, you know, in, in in May, if you lose three games to say a three-game sweep to Cleveland at the end of the day, is it really the end of the world? Not really. But you lose five in a row and in, in, in a shortened season like this, mm-hmm. you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So it's, you know, if they play 82, hopefully, hopefully the Red Sox can be healthy. And if they are, I'm not saying this team's going to win the World Series. I'm not saying that. Just say I, it, Chris. Say I, it. I, <laughs> give it to me, Chris. I think that if they can get into the into the playoffs, they get into that tournament, and Bloom makes a move or two, I wouldn't sleep on the Sox. I, I don't think it's time to write them off yet. And I wouldn't be surprised if the playoffs got expanded to more teams where it is a short season. Right. So you sneak in. Once you're in, anything can happen. It's like that in the NHL playoffs. You know what I mean? How many yeah, times more than any has, sport. Yeah. How many times is an eight seed just yeah. they get in the and they get hot? The Blues, they got hot. 
the the I mean, just how many te- It's just it's in, it's insane. Well, in hockey, you have that. You get that hot goaltender. That means so much. You don't. Yeah. You know. Do you have that equivalent in baseball? A starter you, can only go once again. A hot catcher. Does it work the no, same way? I think that it, you know, you got, just got to. You're starting pitching though. You know, the Red Sox kind of got. Yeah, you need more than one guy to get hot though. I mean, you need to get on that roll. Price Price was surprisingly. God, I hate doing this. Price was surprisingly good in the playoffs. And before pretty much every start, people got on that dude's case because he could never win the he could never win the big game. However, he pitched some pretty good big games against the Red Sox with Tampa. And, you know, he got that monkey off his back when when he won that game in LA, the game puncher. So the Trump card just, game. You know, you just But you also need... had Joe Kelly who would pitched out of his mind in that series. Or in the, in the playoffs in general. And, you also and, had a Baldy who came up you huge. Correct. You're correct. So that's, I guess that's the equivalent to having the, the hot goaltender, though. They had hot arms at that time. They just had guys that were just, they were dialed in. Yeah, I'm just they saying it, it needs to be more than one hot guy in baseball. Yeah. You can't just have that one hot guy. Clip that, clip that, James. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, uh, I no. wouldn't touch that with a 10 inch pole. <laughs> whenever i heard that oh my god that was great that. that was great that was so fun but no chris i think you might have a point and you know what you're bringing up even the more i mean i didn't know if this was possible but you're also bringing even more optimism out of maddie d right now because we're talking about a hot guy or a hot pitcher uh if 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 the red sox rotation their biggest if is health a short season can be the ultimate cure to that if. Yeah, but it could be a short season with a lot of double headers. Which, yeah, which is going to totally wear you down even game. more. Right, yeah, that'll be totally different because now you're talking about using all your bullpen guys and then minor league guys if they have 40 men rosters as opposed to 26. You, 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 you have to you have to expand the rosters for the entire season. It can't just be for right out the gate. It needs to be for a full for a full year. You know, honestly, I think they, if you do that, you know, this helps the teams more than ever, but I, maybe you get rid of an option year type of thing where, for example, if you call up a player and then you option them back to Pawtucket, it's one of their three options that they have over the course of their career. What if that just isn't a thing this year? And you could just move guys, you know, off the roster here or there. And just, you know, do whatever you got to do to be able to make this work. Because if you're going to play double headers, but they're also saying if they're playing double headers, they'd be, they might be seven games. It, it, once this finally gets worked out and we can try to begin to get some sort of normalcy to sports, whatever happens kind of happens. But again, this, this could be a, this, I mean, it's could be a big thing for the Red Sox. It just, it allows guys to get healthy. It allows these pitchers to be healthy. Hopefully they're working out and they're not Jason Tatum, not touching a basketball. And hopefully they're, you know, they're doing whatever they got to do from wherever it is that they live, because it's a matter of time before this comes back. Hopefully. Side note, side note to all this. Wait, just get ready for this baseball fans. The most annoying hurdle that we will have to climb will be the service time hurdle. Just get ready for the MLB and the MLBPA to quabble about service time in a shortened season. I thought they already agreed that uh, the whole year was going to count, whether it whether they played or not. They're going to count it, but what I'm thinking now is if they play, you know, where they play 162, so they play. Someone help me with the math here. Was it 80? 
five what 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 it would be what's a full season half what's a half a season help me out 81 81 so, eight, so 81 if there's 81 games do they count service time every game is two games you know what i mean is it a half because I don't know, the that, service time is like by games right right it's definitely above my pay grade i couldn't even do the math how am i gonna handle this, <laughs> this type of negotiation for the baseball players association and mlb but i'm just i i as optimistic as I am and as I want to be, I just see this also being just a little headache. I don't know if it will take that long to iron out. I hope not, but that's just one of my inklings that that's going to happen. Let's just hope that they can get to that point where they got to argue about things like that, which I mean they're actually playing. And hopefully if they're going to argue about that, they have a guy who can do the math way better than me. <laughs> hey, I want to circle back really quick on something. I want to uh, have have any like I know Matt, you had mentioned the Korean and stuff like that, the baseball. Have you guys checked out any of that on Twitter or Completely. just? So Absolutely. what's your thoughts? What, if there was think? if there was a fantasy league, if 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 DraftKings or FanDuel or ESPN or Yahoo would have offered a fantasy league, I would have been <laughs> knee deep in in the athletes in that league trying to figure out how to make a team. I have been watching it, watching the home runs. It's weird. They got robots in the stands. They have artificial noise for walk off home runs. It's a wild thing, but guess what? I, because it's baseball, I am in. Also. I guess all the submariners in the world play in the KBO in the CPBL. <laughs> How can you do a fantasy league with Korean players? Because aren't they all either named Kim or Park? Well, that's how you swindle people <laughs> I, I, on I mean, <laughs> I'll trade you Park and Kim for Park and Kim. We've got a deal. Yeah, yeah. You Didn't that happen with the with the with some team? They they made a trade. It wasn't a, a Korean player, but it was. I think no, it, was it was a Red Hispanic. Sox. And they and it they got the, the player's Sox. name wrong. There's two brothers, the Asabe brothers. They took the wrong Asabe. Wasabe. Yeah, it was the. I think it was the Diamond. <laughs> was it the Diamondbacks? The one of the trade. No, no, it was, the, it was when they traded for Chris Sale. No, no, it was when I they traded for Chris Sale. They took the wrong Asabe. They wanted the better ranked Asabe. They took the wrong Asabe. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. No, and but but their names is Luis something Asabe and Luis something Asabe. If I had a second, I would look it up, and I apologize to the Asabe family. I don't mean any disrespect I, by this, but it was there was confusion as to which brother they wanted. I give you huge props for coming up with Asabe. Yeah. So it's it's uh, B A S A B E. Asabe, Asabe. Baseball, baseball been very very good to me. <laughs> That's probably a little before your time for both uh, of you. This, this is going off the rails. <laughs> yeah, that usually oh, yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, you know, when we first talked about doing this podcast, we said, well, let's do like 15, 20 minutes, and we're over 45 already, so. Oh, oh yeah. Why don't we, we go off the rails? We give you the content. <laughs> I also, I, I, I actually want a chance to talk about um, why uh, the Red Sox would give Raneke the uh, – the full manager title as opposed to the interim. We had talked about it briefly via our group chat, Chris, the ones with my buddies that I include you guys as buddies. <laughs> and I think, you know why I think they did that is because of the, what drives the Red Sox brass more than anything. Money. Yeah. Money and PR. And I think this is good PR. You do right by the man. Ron Renneke is Definitely respected in the baseball community. You don't make him somebody who's respected 
throughout baseball as an interim manager. You make him a full-time manager. You you set some good PR. If he manages well and he wants to do it again next year in a different capacity, because Chris, you mentioned it, he's on a one-year deal. He'll be able to interview knowing, like on his resume, it'll say manager of the Boston Red Sox, not interim manager. I think it's good PR so that next year when they decide to bring Alex Cora back, they look less cold. Yeah, I don't. I don't see him managing past this season. I don't, and that's even if they win the if they win the World Series, I still don't see him coming back this year. Um, this is just a placeholder. This is and whether it's a placeholder for Cora or if it's a placeholder for Bloom bringing in his own guy. But you know, I agree, Matt. I think you know they are. It's you know, it's been a long time since there's been some good PR that came out of Boston, especially surrounding the Red Sox team. And for a ownership that just feels like it just can't get out of its own way, yeah, they, they did a good thing today. They and and yeah, Renicky is a respected guy in baseball. And you know, my only druthers with him would be is, you know, we had a couple of Brewers teams that made the playoffs, but for the most part, he not a lot of not a lot of success. But he does have a you know a better roster. He does have better resources around him from an ownership perspective. So. You know, I hope that this this works out, and maybe you know he can ride off into the sunset or reassign with the organization to something else. Because I, I do see the Red Sox trying to get someone else in here. You don't you think Cora's coming back? I, I mean, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be shocked. You know what I mean? The, I would. The, I would the be shocked. shocked, Bill. Yeah, I would because I think if he does come back. He's still going to have to rehabilitate his image. I don't think you're going to bring him back to a high-profile position like manager of the Red Sox. I think he goes somewhere to be a bench coach, or if he is a manager, it's, you know, San Diego. Well, San Diego may be fairly large size, but it's some, you know, small Midwestern team or something like that. The Royals, one of those. No, you're talking about the baseball franchise, not the city. The Padres are small time. If he went to the Padres, he could rehabilitate Well, they've got a huge payroll. Oh, yeah, every team, I mean, when you share revenue, you can have a bigger payroll, but, yeah. Which no. which is another thing. If they bring in a new guy next year and they get out of the luxury tax jail, now suddenly you're going to have a new guy with a ton of money to spend. That's not a bad position to be in for that guy because he's going to get yeah. a Cadillac to drive. Yeah, if Bloom wants a different name other than Alex Cora, he will have a very lucrative proposition for whoever's available next offseason. Yeah, and there's something to be said for bringing in your own guy. Definitely. Unless Henry or Warner steps in and makes him hire somebody else, which is what happened which, with Dombrowski and Cora. Or they could step and, in and make him bring in Cora, bring back Cora. I mean, they stepped in and said you had to hire Bobby Valentine, and that dumpster fire that that was. <laughs> so, but that was entertaining. Yeah. That would have been some good podcast fodder in its day. We could have podcasted every been. third day we, with we, yeah. we Valentine. Special thank episodes God. left and right. Thank God yeah. for the YouTube channel that we're going to, you know, bring back but no i you know i what i wouldn't be surprised with is you know if alex core if he comes back into baseball maybe it's not even from a bench coach or or in the dugout probably might come back into a front office as an advisor you know maybe that special advisor to the to the general manager and and, in an organization and and that's how he begins to rehabilitate he's goes to spring training with one of those teams they throw a uniform on him he's out there doing whatever it is that they want him to do former big league manager he's got the world series title he's got the cachet around him he's got two technically yeah true um 
you know, so he goes, maybe he goes to a team like you guys mentioned. Maybe he's with a San Diego or a Kansas City or a Seattle, a team that isn't going to get the press and publicity that it's going to be perfect for him. And then after a year, comes back into baseball and there's a team that needs a manager, which is going to happen. Then it might be might be Alex Cora's time. Who knows? Maybe the Marlins, who are starting to, to put together a young group of players in their system, they got Mattingly right now, but what happens if they have a better year than they anticipated? They still got a ton of young talent, and all of a sudden, Don Mattingly isn't the manager of the Marlins anymore, and Alex Cora did his one year of rehabilitation somewhere, and they bring him into that market. Now you've got a, a manager from Puerto Rico you have the Latin influence in, in that area. That could be that could be a slam dunk for Miami. And he played for the University now. of Miami. Mark it down now, guys. No, I'm not going to mark it down because I think he's going back to the Red Sox. I think when you say it, when you when you when they brought up that they parted ways in a mutual manner, they're setting groundwork to bring him back, and it won't blow up in their face. And it starts today. We had talked about how little of an impact this investigation will eventually turn up. I think this time next, not this time next year, I guess it would be more like February, December, the winter of 2020 in 2021. They bring back Alex Cora. It will be a parade. There will be no haters. You think so? We had some people, we had some people on our very network calling for him to be fired after they didn't make the playoffs last year. Right. And if you ask them about that take, they probably already forgot about it. Nah, I don't think so. Because I just think that in terms of the nat, like from what I've seen, you know, the LA Times, they threw him under the bus, obviously, because they lost the two teams that they perceive as cheaters. But in terms of the collective, I don't, I haven't seen much hate on Alex Cora. And I think when time goes by, you bring him back as a Red Sox manager, no one's going to bat an eye at it. No, I mean, again, I wouldn't be upset with it at this point because he's proven. You know, it's unfortunately, yeah, he lost his job because of something, you know, in regards to this cheating scandal. Um, and I, I think that as long as he comes back a little more humble than what he was, because and, and I mean, Bill and everybody else, we've, we've kind of said it. He always just he kind of was very smug. He was very arrogant about how he did things. He won one championship. You know, I'm sorry, but you don't have that cachet, even with one championship. The only guy that has that cachet in New England right now is Bill Belichick. He's the only guy that can be smug and arrogant and an absolute prick. And guess what? And can get and he can get away with it. Alex Cora can't. Alex Cora just got a little too far ahead of him. Hopefully, he comes back a little more humbled. His players love him. The ownership loves him. Yeah, he caught some scrutiny, and, but there wasn't a lot around him. So you bring him back. Sure. I mean, what's the other options? I mean, you know, what other what other guys are out there that can manage the Red Sox? I mean, there really isn't any any true huge names that are out there for managers. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Bring Jim Leland back. Ooh. He, by well, the time they, point, he's old. Yeah, it's the corpse of Jim Leland at this <laughs> yeah, point. I know. I know. You bring his but corpse he, in a pack of candles and you're but in. He used to be the guy that everybody talked about. He's the hard nosed baseball guy. Yeah, he probably but, could manage today. But do you think, though, that that hard-nosed style would manage, though, today? No, I mean, absolutely people, not. No, because people get all – I couldn't post in a Patriots Facebook group on former players, like, 
Brady and Gronk with the articles because they're not allowing it anymore because they're upset that they both left. Right. But yet they were okay when I asked the question if I could post an article about Chris Hogan. That was okay. He's a former player. People are just way too sensitive right now. So there's no way Jim Leland would work here at, at all. It'd be great, but that wouldn't work here. I had to yeah, get that'd be that tough. because that was frustrating to me earlier today. <laughs> that I is lame. To... That is incredibly lame. Facebook like, groups, you know who you are. Ah, like, how do you like? You're not gonna you're gonna censor because you're upset that Tom Brady left. Boo hoo! He gave you six right. championships. Cry about it tomorrow. All right, like, why don't we save that for the Fire the Muskets podcast yeah, that we have yeah, coming up? Because <laughs> you guys are going to join we, us on that, right? We we have uh, we're probably going to have to do a double podcast with all the stuff we have to talk about with the Patriots. It's oh, going to yeah. be it's going to be action packed. You know, the draft is I tomorrow, and not to get away from the Red Sox piece, but draft tomorrow. I am excited for that. I like this is the type of stuff that I love. Like, I mean, the 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 NFL brass did they did they do a deal with the devil? I think this has come up on our network before, but they, I mean, tomorrow's draft is going to be like the election of the new Pope. It's going to be, everyone is watching one thing because there is no sports except this thing. And this will be our first taste of real professional sports and professional like progression in the off season. This is juicy. Does that, does not mean WNBA had a draft over the weekend? You didn't follow that? I forgot to set the remote. I actually, I do, I do know who went first overall, but I mean, I couldn't pronounce her name. It's a very hard name to pronounce. Somebody I'd never heard of before. She's from Oregon. She gone to New York. Yeah, I thought UConn players always went number one. What's up with that? I don't know. You know. So, kind of speaking of that content, like, have have either one of you guys watched any of the these old school games from oh, yeah. the past? You know what I mean? Like, what, what's oh, that yeah. been like? It's been awesome because you see these names you forgot, and you go, oh, my God, like Juan Uribe? I forgot Juan Uribe won a World Series with the White Sox. Juan Uribe. I need sports so bad that I watched an hour and a half of the 1989 NFL draft. Oh, baby. That that is a need for a sports fix. The year that Troy Aikman went number one. Like, it's – I I need sports. I need something else, like – it's I'm ready for it. and to Matt's like Matt was saying earlier like if I could figure out how to watch Korean baseball I would I'd put it on mute and I would that'd be something we should put Korean baseball on and commentate that no they have people <laughs> who have done it they do it that'd be like they history have... science theater 3000 it would yeah. be that would be phenomenal <laughs> oh yeah I hey, we could do sports. that on YouTube I need sports so bad that I was glued to my computer screen, salivating over the layout of the GM's laptop desks for the draft. I got to tell you, though. We posted I, that earlier, and I was intrigued. Yes. Now, did you hear I, I, they did a mock draft earlier, and they had a technical glitch on the first pick? Drills, yeah. Yep. On the first well, you pick. Got, so well, you that's going to be entertaining tomorrow night, too. You got the guy from the Giants who has one screen and a book in 2020. Other other GMs have 16 monitors and five helpers for the wiring, and Gettleman has a binder. Well, so you know if Mike draft. if Mike Tomlin is sitting in his in his bunker wherever he's doing the draft, and his phone line goes down just as about he's ready to pick, he's going to blame Bill Belichick for that. Absolutely, oh, yeah. my headphones. Everything to do with Foxborough. Everything yeah. with Foxborough. Yeah, absolutely. 
I can't wait. And you know what's gonna be hilarious? If they if they had like a mic on every one of these GMs and let them announce their pick, like you could hear it, you would hear multiple times names called that were drafted already. If you play fantasy sports, you know that happens. You have a live draft. Oh, yeah. People yeah. stop oh, yeah. paying attention. They start rattling off names. Oh, I'm going to take so-and-so. It's like, that guy was taken 16 rounds ago. <laughs> what do you think? You're the best GM in the world? You spotted this guy? That would happen, but they won't. They'll protect their guys, and they don't want it to seem like a, you know, a, a put-together-with-duct-tape operation. They'll make sure, and they will say that everything went smoothly. But you know what? I don't care. As long as there's name announced, I'm going to be watching. So, Sam, we've gotten totally off the rails away from baseball. Have you, what do you guys uh, have you seen? The Last Dance, the uh, the Bulls yeah. documentary, incredible. That's yes, I uh, um that's that's some good that's good stuff. That um I you know and I admittedly I um I'm not a big Bulls fan and what's really good about watching something like that, especially with Michael Jordan, is you just forget how great he actually was. And I, I, I was going to say could, that too. Right. Uh, just the moves he had and how smooth he was. We take for granted. Um, we really take for granted some of these athletes, you know? Um, and for me, and I said this, you know, a couple of months back for me, that really came full circle when, when Kobe Bryant died. Um, because again, like you don't really realize like how special and how good these guys actually are and what they put into their craft and what they put into how they play and how they live their life. And, watching those first two episodes and, and just that guy was so good. And just imagine if he played right now, you know, what kind of player he would be and the, and just him and LeBron and just, and, and then and oh, he'd take LeBron to school. I'm sorry. Oh, no, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Of course he would. And, and then you take the parallel, you know, from a Boston perspective, talking about Jerry Krause and comparing him to Bill Belichick and some of those similarities. And, you know, just, um, that's, Kudos to ESPN. Kudos to everybody who put that together because it came out at a perfect time, and it, it's it's great theater. And I, I personally, I am looking forward to Sunday. Like I currently, you know, the last couple of weeks, um, I've been kind of going with the most of like basic of cable. But I went and got YouTube TV again, and I that was the first thing I watched. First thing that I watched, and I'm happy that I that I did that because it was just it, it was great and. I'm, personally, I cannot wait for the Belichick Brady version of that. Oh yeah! Oh my God, that would take, incredible. I paid to take see that. Take my money. Take my money. Do what you got to do, because that is going to be that is going to be that that arguably could get more viewers than the Super Bowl would that year. Oh yeah. What I want to know is where's it been for the last twenty years? This has been sitting in somebody's vault somewhere. Yeah, I mean, so you must have, have had the rights to it, just developing it, waiting for some sort of time to develop a documentary and release it. Just kind of makes you think, like, what else is out there? What else does people have? What other content that people have that that we're missing out on? Because right. that, I mean, that whole Jordan piece, like, honestly, we we could do a whole podcast on that, which we we could. We, we just might it. at some point. We should. <laughs> well, you and I mean, the you know, parquet guys can. That headache line, the headache line from Jordan is enough for an entire podcast. That's how good that line was. I missed that. I only saw part of it. I caught the like the last 45 minutes Sunday night, and they did quite a bit on uh, – the, they, they did more than just that final season because they went back and they looked at yeah, the, ga the game that he dropped 63 on the Celtics in the 86 playoffs. 
And that was his only his second year in the league. Right. And I remember watching that game live. One of the benefits of being old was I get I get to see Jordan through his entire career. I even remember him hitting the game winning shot for North Carolina in the NCAA tournament. But um the quote that Larry Bird had after that just absolutely blew me away because right. Larry was not one to give out praise to other players. And for him to say what he said about Jordan, you know, in only his second year in the league, that one really floored me to hear that coming from Larry. When he said, you know, all, basically all you want to do is try to contain the great ones. And this is yeah, Larry he's... Bird, who was in his third consecutive MVP year, was saying that about Michael Jordan in his second year. So he went... that... That just said everything to me. He actually went on to say in the documentary that came out over the weekend was that wasn't Michael Jordan. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. Yeah. I mean, that was a great line, too. But the headache line. So basically, Bill, what happened was uh, the ankle injury he had in that that year, the 86 year, uh, they said he had a 90 percent chance to come back and be fine. Oh, yes. Yes. And I he won't. Right. Yeah. And then his the, the owner said, <laughs> Michael, if you had 10 pills and nine of them would bring you back healthy and one of them would kill you, would you take that pill? He said, depends on how bad the effing headache is. Yeah. Except you didn't say effing and they didn't <laughs> no, bleep it out they, either. No, they didn't. They, I give him credit for that. It was great. Yeah, no, that's that's um, I, like I said, I look forward to to Sunday. I mean, just think about it, guys. Like we've had nothing on the sports calendar, and in the next couple of days, we're gonna have three days of NFL draft. Which honestly, I could sit there and watch the whole thing. I, I'm I'm that kind of weirdo that can do that. Um, definitely gonna I'll definitely gonna be in tune to it tomorrow night, and I'll probably obviously be glued to it a little bit during the weekend. You know, I would expect uh, some content to come out for that for the website. So, Bill, be ready. Um, but, uh, but no, but Sunday night though, I'm looking forward to it. it it's um, it just makes you think what else is out there, what else could be coming out next, and uh, it's a great, it's a great series. All right, do we have anything more that we want to say about the Red Sox penalties? Yes, I have one last thing. <laughs> one last thing. I got one thing too. All right. I'm on, I'm We're on over an hour, break. so so much for 15 minutes. Yeah, we'll break it up. Um, no, I, I was, I'm on Twitter right now, and uh, there was a conference call a short time ago with uh, Heimbloom and um, O'Halloran, and basically the the key summary, the key takeaways was that they're not budging on a core return. So I guess that kind of puts an end to that. Uh, Ron Renick, if you believe them, is, if right. you believe them, correct. Ron Renick's contract is up after 2020. Uh, they apologized. They said they were sorry. No, that's good. Um, they would not acknowledge uh, Watkins as a scapegoat, and Watkins was not fired. Awesome. Hmm. So he was a scapegoat then. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Because if Basically. he fired him, then he was a rogue. You could. No one here could be a. If your boss called you a rogue employee, you could not keep your job. Uh, it's actually happened to me a couple of times, and I kept my job. Oh, all right. That'd be impressive now. <laughs> Just That's remember, awesome. it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. Oh, such a good quote. It I've is. made a career out of that. <laughs> all right, Matt, what do you got? Oh, my last thing I just want to say real quick, we've talked about why the Red Sox organization was fortunate and lucky for, you know, the investigation to come out when it did and how it did and the ramifications that's come from it. I also think that the biggest part about it is it keeps it, – it, it, it makes all the players who said they didn't cheat, they don't – it doesn't make them – 
because if you would if they would have come out to look bad, you would have had Bogarts, JD, Devers, Benatendi, your marquee players all looking like liars. And now because it looks like the punishment wasn't bad and they explicitly said Cora is being punished for his Houston actions and not in Boston, it makes all of the Red Sox future marquee players look good. Yeah, good point. And then we can focus on the season once they do start playing Absolutely. again. Absolutely. The because specter now they of can the, just the whole cloud is, is gone. Yep, they can say, well, that's he, he had, you'd have to talk to Alex because he did that in Houston, not here. They can just push right through it, and I, I think that's good for them. That's all it. Right. That's all I got. That's all you got? An hour in. That's all we got. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. So you will be joining uh, Derek, uh, James, and, and me for the uh, Fire the Muskets podcast that we're going to do after the draft. Please, oh, please, I want to be a part of that, please. I'm going to call that the Fire the Muskets Above the Park, Above the Parquet Red Sox podcast to be named later. We're the Avengers of Boston we're going to have everybody sports. there, yeah. Podcasters assemble. We're going to have everybody <laughs> with the Poke the Bears guys. That's our new ha- hashtag, Podcasters Assemble. That needs to be the title to this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> now, we'll save that. We'll save that for Sunday or whatever it's going to I'll write that one down. This All right, guys. Boston Sport, the, the Red Sox podcast we named Lander Chris Hendrick, Winter Soldier. <laughs> I'm on summer vacation right now, guys. This is summer my soldier. furlough life. So this is what furlough life does to you. I call it summer vacation because if I call it furlough life, it's a little more depressing. So I'm on summer vacation, and all I do is uh, I, I write, and I, I have a cocktail or two in the evening. So it's furlough life. Well, I'm lucky enough to be able to work from home on my computer, and then Chris tells me he has three articles ready, so I just log <laughs> off of my work website, and I go on to the Syndicate's website, and I edit his articles, and I post them. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys. Once again, we've uh, we've managed to find plenty to talk about and had a lot of fun, so thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. Everybody listening at home, thank you for joining us. Not going to do the SeatGeek thing. Because why bother? And you know where to find us on social media. <laughs> and they might be being sued. Isn't every ticket company being sued right now? Uh, yeah, there's pretty much, yeah, Red Sox, Ticketmaster, all them. Yep. Ace, everyone who has tickets and baseball is going to be sued right now. Yeah, because most of them are just saying we'll give you a credit for the following year, right? Or that they will let you take a game when it comes back. Because hmm. technically, o- opening day is not... Like, it's not over. It wasn't canceled. It's postponed. Yeah, it'll be a while. Be a while. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks again. And everybody listening at home, or wherever you are, thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you soon. Take it easy, everybody. Peace. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.